This is a production of the Z-Talk Radio Network. The views expressed and opinions given by the individual hosts and their guests do not necessarily reflect those of Z-Talk Radio, its affiliates, or sponsors. Wow. It's dark. Well, let's have some light on the subject. Put on your critical thinking caps and please refrain from hugging. It's time for Dimland Radio with your host, Jim Dr. Dim Fitzsimmons. Welcome to Dimland Radio here on the ZTalk Radio Network at ztalkradio.com. I'm your host, Jim Dr. Dim Fitzsimmons. Remember, I'm not really a doctor. I just play Doctor Online, and this is the the last Dimland Radio for the year of our Lord, 2017. Um, hard to believe the year went by as quickly as it did. Not a fantastic year uh, for, for the family. We lost some family members. Uh, you know, my my wife's brother's sisters. No, my wife's brother's wife's sister's husband died in the spring. Um, my wife's father died uh, in the fall. Um, the, my younger brother, his uh, his girlfriend's father died um, in early winter uh, or late fall, however you want to look at it. Um, we have an employee where I work, a fellow that cleans for us and does done so for many years off and on. Really good guy, good cleaner. Um, he's in his 70s. He has uh, adult children, and one of his sons, who I believe is 49, um, uh, committed suicide <clears throat> within the last month, I think it was. And uh, so it's, you know, there's been that. Uh, my boss's uh, 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 last remaining brother uh, died, uh, it's, uh, I think, in the fall of this past year. And it's just you know, in 2017. That's that's a lot of uh, a lot of a lot of people uh, leaving us uh, in uh, in this year, uh, and that's just within my circle. Uh, and you know, it's been the year of <clears throat> that certain president. <laughs> so, uh, well, uh, the less said, the better. On that, I don't. You know, it's end of the year. Let's try to let's try to be happy, huh? It's a, we want a happy New Year, don't we? Uh, it's going to be very cold for the New Year's here in Minnesota. It's going to be very cold. Uh, it is winter. Uh, I live in St. Paul, Minnesota, the capital of the state of Minnesota, and uh, have done so pretty much all my life. I, for about six months, I live in Minneapolis. But otherwise, I've lived here in St. Paul uh, in the same zip code since 1973, except for that six months living in Minneapolis, uh, and and I'm and I've been a homeowner since uh, 2001, and even when I was living with my folks, uh, who are homeowners, uh, you have to deal with winter when you live in winter weather climes. You have to deal with the cold and the snow that comes with it. Uh, I saw something on Facebook today. It was a news item that came out of Canada, out of uh, Ontario. Uh, apparently, it's southern Ontario. Uh, apparently, it's a town, I think, called Scarfield, something like that. I think that's what it was called. Yeah, I can look it up. And I'll probably will when I read you the story. <clears throat> but it's also Toronto. I think it's, you know, whatever. Let's just call it Toronto. And uh, there, this this was shared by some uh, Facebook friend of mine who lives up there in Canada. Uh, apparently, um, well, here, I'll read the story, the printout that comes from the CTV News page uh, on the website. I will link to this. It also has a video clip that is of the news story that was on the, that aired on television. Uh, but let me just read to you this story. A Toronto man, see what I said? Toronto. 
No, I don't know what this Scarfield or Schofield, I don't know where that comes into it. But anyway, uh, a Toronto man returned home to a frustrating site on Boxing Day. That would be December 26th, the day after Christmas, for, for you Americans, <laughs> which I am one, because uh, we don't do the Boxing Day, but that's what it is. After uh, city snowplows left a heap of densely packed snow in front of his driveway. Andy, and I wrote this down so that I could pronounce his name properly. Uh, Andy, it is Andy, and no, no, it's uh, where the heck did I write it? Uh, Chawate, Andy Chawate. Uh, he came home. Let's see. I'll continue. Came home from a trip to find about 34 inches of snow piled up in front of his Scarborough, Ontario home. There you go. There's where the Scarfield, Scarborough thing came from. Must be a suburb of Toronto or something. I don't know. I don't know Canada. Do you know Canada? Let me know. Uh, most of which accumulated during southern Ontario's Christmas Day snowstorm. Of all the houses on his street... Uh, Andy's, uh, Andy said the heap of snow is only blocking his driveway. Because it's a corner house, it's convenient for them to just dump the snow here, the homeowner told CTV Toronto. I can't get in, so my car has been parked on the street for the past couple of days. The pile of snow has been an annual occurrence ever since uh, Ch uh, Chawate moved into his home four years ago. But Chihuahua isn't only concerned about the inconvenience of shoveling the mound of snow, a task he has to repeat after every major snowfall. He also worries about the safety hazard it poses. I also see it as a safety issue. If there is an emergency in the house, do you think an ambulance or any other emergency service would be able to access the property? He told CTV Toronto. Despite calling 311 on Tuesday, Chawate has yet to hear back. Frustrated with uh, trying to clear the snow on his own, Chawate said he'll continue using his neighbor's driveway to access his home. <clears throat> I'm I'm not sure how to take this story because what I've read to you just there and what you, you, you'll you see in the video clip if you check it out when you go to the show notes on dimland, at dimland.com go there, check the show notes you'll, you'll find the link to it uh, the, the woman that does the reporting does not talk to this fellow's neighbors she, she doesn't um she doesn't find out that if, uh, if there's a house uh, the next block along on the corner that gets the same kind of heavy uh, snowplow leavings as this fellow gets and has been getting after major snowfalls for the last four years since he's lived in that house. Um, I, you know, I don't know where he lived prior to moving to Scarborough, Ontario? I, I don't know. Did he live in Toronto? They say he's a Toronto man, but again, I don't know where Scarborough is in, con in conjunction with Toronto. Did he live in warmer climes that didn't have winter weather? If that is so, then possibly I can cut him a little bit of slack where he... You know, might not you know, might be taking four years to understand that part of your responsibility as a homeowner is clearing the snow that the pile that is left behind by the by the snowplows. You see, the cities and the municipalities that provide plowing for the streets, they I suppose they can accommodate homeowners somewhat by trying to you know not damage their mailboxes or or throw snow too high or too far onto their property after they've taken the trouble of shoveling everything away. I suppose they can try to control that somewhat, but I assume there are plenty of streets that need to be plowing and or plowed 
and they don't need you know the plow guys don't need to say okay on this street this guy wants me to plow it over this way and on this street uh, this lady wants me to throw it over this way and on this street uh, this lady doesn't want me to pile it too high you know it's just like are they gonna have to accommodate everybody is it or is it something where <clears throat> I mean I if the guy had now he's he's I read to you what he said there if he had said look I understand I'm going to have to deal with the snowplow. I'm going to have to deal with that because I'm a homeowner. The streets get plowed, and I'm on a corner, so you know I've got you know that kind of stuff to do. I mean, there is a certain dynamic to living on a corner that's different if you live in the middle of the block. My next door neighbor, her front sidewalk, all she's got is about 30 or 40 feet to clear. Well, I've got that. I live on the corner. See, I've got that 30 or 40 feet of sidewalk in front of my house but I also have a corner and I have the sidewalk that goes along the side of my house and that's about 100 feet maybe 150 feet that I have to clear and that's just something I have to understand as a homeowner who has a house on a corner that is something I'm going to have to deal with and I've lived in winter weather climbs all my life this is just a reality now I don't. So if the guy would have said, "Look, I realize I'm going to have to deal with this, but this is a bit excessive. Uh, surely there's a way. Maybe the city can work with me here and see if they can throw the snow a little bit differently, so that I don't have quite a massive amount of snow." But the other thing that this this reporter didn't do, like I said, she didn't talk with the neighbors. See, <clears throat> this guy, this the snow plowing was done sometime on the 25th. I'm assuming or late, or early in the morning on the 26th. I'm not sure when the guy got home on the 26th, but by the time he got home, the streets were plowed, and there was a big uh, pile of snow across the bottom of his driveway. But according to the report that I just read to you, and the reporter, his was the only house that had snow piled in front of his driveway. Well, the report, this is dated uh, the 29th, online and it was put in there in the morning at nine in the morning central time uh just about and that would be so i would assume that the news report that you see on there the video that aired the night before so that would be the 28th which would be you know thursday night so tuesday he's got the pile there he tries to get a hold of uh, the people that are, you know, the the uh, Department of Transportation, whatever Canada's equivalent is. Tries to get a hold of them to say, "Hey, can something be done here?" Uh, and then, in the meantime, he gets a hold of the news. The news comes out, and I'm like I said, I'm assuming this report was filed on Thursday, the 28th. So that's a couple days afterward. You know, those piles, you want to get at them as quick as you can because the longer you let them sit there, the more compact they get and the harder they are to shovel. Oh, and by the way, in the video, they do show you, they do show the guy trying to shovel it a little bit, trying to break through it a little bit. But, you know, it's, it's, it reminded me of OJ putting on the glove. The guy's not really making much of an effort. I mean, come on, pal. Let's, let's put your back into it. Let's go. Okay, so did she make, the point is made that none of his neighbors have their driveways have piles of snow at the bottom of their driveways but it's been at least two days since that pile of snow has been there i think the other neighbors just got on with it and shoveled it away that's what you're supposed to do i mean i I don't know if this guy because i don't have those little bits of information i don't have the information from the neighbors how much snow was left in front of their driveways did they clear it away themselves i'm assuming they did does the snow pile up on the next corner the same way they pile it up on this corner? Is it, you know, I don't have this information. If there was snow left in front of those neighbors, how how high was the pile of snow left for them? I don't know that. So I don't know if this guy has a legitimate complaint or if he's just being an asshole. I don't want to shovel. I've already, you know, why should I have to do all this? You know, I've talked about this in the past, uh, about shoveling here in minnesota and in my situation in particular i live on a corner so you get i get home from work and i got a shovel so i get out there i get the snow blower and i take a pair of the big parts and then i get the shovel out and do the small parts that the snow blower isn't going to work on the stairs the sidewalk in the backyard is too narrow for it so i so i do a combination of using a snow blower and using a shovel 
And it can take an hour, it can take two hours. It just depends on how much snow is out there. But I take care of it, and I take care of my next-door neighbors. I take care of her front sidewalk and her front steps. And I'll take care of her driveway if she hasn't taken care of it already. About all she needs to shovel is the sidewalk from, you know, through the, from the back door of her house to her garage. That's pretty much all she's got to take care of. So <clears throat> she's in her 70s. She shouldn't have to worry about that, and I have no problem. And I got the big snowblower, and I can handle the main sidewalk. So why not use it? Okay, so I do all that, and I get done, and I come in the house, and I'm done shoveling, and and midnight or so, at some point in the night, I hear the plows come by, and that that lets me know because the first night of a snow, when they send out the plows, <clears throat> the uh, the emergency routes get done first. We live on an emergency route, so that that's and that's the north south direction street, and that gets done first. So I know the next morning I'm going to have to shovel off whatever the plow left behind there. And then later that day uh, the you know or the next day the east-west streets get done. So I know that I'm going to have to shovel off whatever the plow left behind in front of the you know the access ways on the corner to the street and the sidewalk to the street. I'm going to have to clear those out. So I know I've got some shoveling ahead of me even though I'm, I've done everything else because the plow is going to come through. That's part of my responsibility. <clears throat> I mean, I have, I've had large piles of snow. I don't know. I don't know about almost three feet worth, but it's pretty up there. But I've also had, uh, you know, so, so along the, the corner that I live on, there's the main sidewalk that runs parallel to the streets. And then there's a, a, a patch of grass in the boulevard, which is about seven feet from the street to the sidewalk. And there's a, a narrow sidewalk that goes perpendicular to the main sidewalk out to the street, access to the street. And that's about two feet wide, about seven feet long. And I've had it happen where I've shoveled everything off, got it all cleared out, and then the plow comes through and throws snow all the way over that seven feet of, of sidewalk that I cleared off, the one that goes out to the street, and sometimes a third, maybe a half, of the main sidewalk gets covered again because the plow guy threw that snow so far you know, off from the street. So I have to get back out there and do it again. That's a little excessive. That might be a rookie, not knowing exactly how to throw the snow so that it's not so difficult for the homeowners to take care of. But... I've had that happen, and it's just what you deal with. So, watching that story had me thinking. Okay, you know, I don't, I don't know if this guy has a legitimate complaint or if he's just being lazy, and he wants the city to shovel it for him. I gotta wonder why the reporter didn't say that the neighbors said, "Well, yeah, we took care of it." <laughs> yeah, the plow came through, uh, you know, Tuesday morning. And uh, we all got out and shoveled what the plow left behind. And yeah, my pile was maybe not as high as his, but pretty close. And I got out and shoveled it away. And that's what uh, Andy can be doing. Get your ass out there and shovel that. Stop complaining. You know something about musicals? <laughs> Musical movies? Uh, I don't particularly care for musicals. I, 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 there are some that I like. There are a few. Uh, but... I just I, even when I was a kid, I wasn't so thrilled with musicals because I, I wasn't well. I wasn't exactly certain why. Sometimes I'd like the songs. I mean, I like The Wizard of Oz and I like uh, 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 Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. Those are musicals, but they're 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 almost pure fantasy. So a musical seems to make sense. I I, I guess I was too pedantic even as a child to understand how. Uh, in in a real world situation, say uh, the, the Music Man, that that musical where a guy comes to, to to a town and he he's a he's a con artist and he cons the town into I don't know buying musical instruments or something I, I don't know what it is but he starts singing and then the whole town all the townspeople sing along with him and they're all dancing with him and I and I'd be a kid and I'd watch movies like that I think well how do they know how, how how do they all know what to do. All the dance steps and all the singing and all that. That's, that's something's not working for me. That would be because I'm, you know, like I said, I was pedantic as a child, so that would bother me. It would just something wouldn't click. Instead of just accepting the fantasy, it's a, it's a fantasy. It's an entertainment. Don't 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 get so literal. You no, know, I did I didn't have that 
that bit talking to me in my brain. Okay, well, just this past week, I watched a musical, which I'm gonna I'm gonna make my uh, my movie recommendation for this week. Uh, it's called Scrooge. Yes, it's based on uh, the Charles Dickens Christmas Carol. It's not the best version of Scrooge. Of course, the best version of Scrooge is Scrooge from 1951. This version of Scrooge, I think, is from 1971 or 1970, something like that. And it stars Albert Finney as Ebenezer Scrooge. It's got uh, uh, Alec Guinness as uh, Jacob Marley, the ghost of Jacob Marley. And it's a musical. Uh, and there are, it, there are aspects to it that... Uh, you know, my my pedantry uh, would 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 come up, but there's something that I've noticed uh, about that uh, about that musical that that gave me a clue as to uh, why I'm not necessarily a fan of musicals. I'll tell you about that when I come back from my break. You're listening to Dimland Radio on the Ztalk Radio Network at ztalkradio.com. I'm your host Jim, Dr. Dim Fitzsimmons. I shall return uh, shortly. I'll be Hornswoggled. You're listening to Z Talk Radio Network. You don't say. Oh, what? You think you went off to college or something? On ztalkradio.com. That's the most amazing thing since Grandma survived the outhouse incident. I'm a paramedic, and it may sound silly, but a lot of people are afraid to call 911 when they're experiencing uncomfortable pressure, fullness, squeezing, or pain in the center of the chest. Instead, people risk permanent damage or death because they're afraid they might get a lecture. To learn more about heart attack warning signs, call the American Heart Association at 1-800-AHA-USA-1 or visit us on the web at AmericanHeart.org. Don't just take my word for it, but you are listening to Dimland Radio on Ztalk Radio Network. Did you see that UFO sighting that made the news? What did that latest study about alternative treatments really say? Is this photo making the rounds real or a hoax? Doubtful News is a unique website featuring news about pseudoscience, the paranormal, anomalies, and questionable claims framed with a skeptical view. Come visit doubtfulnews.com every day for news about cryptozoology, conspiracies, shams, scams, and more. Follow us on Twitter at Doubtful News. Critical thinking is essential in assessing today's news. Doubtful News helps you decide, can you really believe this stuff? You're listening to Z-Talk Radio, the number one choice for music, sports, news, and talk radio. So keep that dial locked to ztalkradio.com. Welcome back to Dimland Radio here in the Z-Talk Radio Network at ztalkradio.com. I'm your host, Jim Dr. Dim Fitzsimmons. I was talking about musicals, and I noticed something about this particular musical, Scrooge, which is something that I think is uh, uh, not uncommon with other musicals, which is something that bothers me about the, the form of, of movie. Now it's it's called Scrooge, and it has, like, as I said, Albert Finney plays Ebenezer Scrooge. It's a retelling of the of the uh, Charles Dickens classic story, A Christmas Carol. There are there are many 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 versions of uh, that story. Uh, it's not terrible. It you can stream it uh, on YouTube. The whole thing is on YouTube. It's free. You know that's a one of my args. Whenever somebody says you can, you know, stream it on Netflix for free, or you can stream it on Amazon Prime for free. Uh, uh, no, no, you can't. You have to pay 
for a subscription or a membership, however it's, it's said, for to Netflix or to Amazon Prime. You you know, if you have to pay any money, whatever you stream on there is not free. Sorry, it's this weird shortcut in language that's showed up, this heuristic that's come about, this shorthand speak where these people just start are saying that you can stream for free on Amazon Prime. Well, no. If you're an Amazon Prime member, you can stream it for free. No, I can't. I have to pay for Amazon Prime. If I don't pay for Amazon Prime, I can't stream it. Now can I? I can stream lots and lots of, of, of movies and TV shows where it gets to a point where whatever I pay a month for Netflix or, or uh, well, in my case, it would be Netflix, I can, the, the per cost per streaming of a movie or a TV show gets really, really low, but they're still there. It might be just pennies, but it's still being paid for. It's not free, okay? Not free. Anyway, Scrooge is free on YouTube. The whole thing's on there. Uh, pretty good-looking picture as far as that goes as well. But, okay, here's the thing. I think this is fairly common in musicals that uh, they use the, uh, the song and the production number to move the story forward, to give you some exposition, to explain what's going on, to develop a character. They, they, they'll do that, right? And early in the movie, there's a, uh, there's a, uh, a, a song that uh, Scrooge sings about hating people. Oh, it's such a great song. He hates people. Uh, and he's walking through the streets of London. He's left his place of business. Uh, he's heading home, and he's going to meet up with Marley. He doesn't know it yet, but he's going to meet up with that ghost. And he's, he's, as he's doing this walk through the street, singing this song, he's meeting up with people that owe him money. And he's telling them that you owe me this much money. You have to pay me. Uh, pay me now. Well, I can't pay you now. I don't have the money now. He says, well, I can give you another week, but then you're going to owe me this much. Uh, okay. And, and so he does this. And he does this with about four people. One of them is a puppeteer that does a Punch and Judy show. And, and he, it's, I found myself saying, okay, I got it. Move on. <laughs> the number lasts, I don't know, three, four, five minutes. It just it just keeps going. I, I, I got it. I got it. He's a miser. He wants to collect money from people. He doesn't care if it's Christmas. He doesn't care if they're poor. He doesn't care if they're able to pay right away. He just wants his money. He's a nasty, terrible, terrible man. I get it. But it, let's go. Let's move on. Let's get him home so he can meet up with Jacob Marley. And that's, I think, one of the things that I realized about musicals that bothers me. The musical number slows down the story. Let's go. Move on. <laughs> Although, it, I, I still think it's a fairly interesting uh, um, movie. And, you know, you can check it out. I'll make it my recommendation. It's not the best version. The best version is, of course, the 1951 version with Alistair Sim, which, when that story is developing the his character as a mean, miserly man, he only w runs into one of the people that owes him money. And that's all we need. We, you know, he has an exchange with the guy saying, "You gotta pay me." You know, if I can't pay you, I, I don't want to take my wife to a debtor's prison. And he says, "Well, what does your wife have to do with this? You're the one that owes me the money." Yeah, you know, that kind of thing. So we get the idea from from just from that exchange. We don't, you don't need a whole bunch, and we don't need a song. But you might like this song. You might like the musical. I think it's okay. It's got some interesting effects. It's got some interesting ideas in it. Uh, but it's, you know, it's uh, <laughs> it's not as good as the 1951 version, but it's not terrible. Uh, I just finished streaming Mad Men, the, the, uh, the, the, the wildly successful series that was on uh, American Movie Classics, AMC, that, on that channel. And it's it's about the world of advertising, the people that populate that world. And I did talk about it a couple few weeks ago, about how appalling it is. It's it's set in it's it's it starts off in 1960, uh, pretty much just prior to the 1960 election in which uh, uh, President Kennedy 
uh, won. Uh, Jack Kennedy won the presidency uh, against Nixon. And it starts off just before that election and follows these characters through the next decade. Uh, it goes right through November of uh, 1970. And it's uh, seven seasons worth of shows. I think it's 13 episodes uh, a season, which is what? Seven times 13? I don't know, 50-something? You know, it's, it's math. Well, you, you, it's 80-something? I don't know what it is. <clears throat> anyway, I did talk about how infuriating it was because of the treatment of women in that series, the way these the, the women characters are treated by the men. Uh, they're treated as objects. They're treated as second-class citizens. They're treated as children. Uh, it, they're just, it just really is appalling. And it, it mitigates as the series goes along. It's, it, it's not quite as, as much of the focus as it was in the first few episodes in that first season. Now, because they really wanted to hammer it in. Says, this was a different world, which really, um, we're still dealing with it. You know, with what's been going on this past year with uh, all the uh, sexual harassment and sexual assault accusations and that kind of thing, we're still dealing with some of that. Although, uh, I think I made this point, we've advanced somewhat where someone like me will watch that and say, this is appalling. <laughs> this, 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 is not, this is not right. Okay, well, this, the characters are complicated on this show, and I'm... I found it, it. I found the series entertaining and infuriating at the same time. I can't tell you how many times I called the main character, uh, Don Draper, played by John Hamm, how many times I called him an asshole watching that show. It's just because he is. He's just. He's a. He was a. He's a serial uh, philanderer. He just. He had. He's. He, he has a wife when the series begins, and he's cheating on her the whole time. And then they divorce, and he picks up with the secretary that you know that he was cheating on his wife with, and he ends up marrying her, and then he cheats on her, and it's just. It's just. It, 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 it's. It's appalling. And when I was nearing the end of the fifth season, I. I took to Facebook after one episode where uh, something happened that just set me off. I wrote, um, I wrote, I wish there was one, just one, married man on the series who would say no when presented with the opportunity to cheat on his wife. Just one. And I, you know, I don't want to spoil this for you, but all seven seasons, that character does not exist. That scenario does not happen. If there is a married man on the series and he gets the chance to cheat on his wife, he jumps at it. There is not one character that says no when presented with the chance. Now, I'm not saying that all the married guys that you see on the show are, are shown cheating on their wives. It's just that any male character who is married that is presented with the opportunity does not pass it by. This immediately accepts the opportunity. There's one character on there named Ken, who's a, who's a, who is a very caddish fellow. I mean, he chases down a woman, tackles her, and pulls her dress up to see what color her underwear is. And this was supposed to be fun. And the woman, you know, she gets up, as he gets up, she, she, arm in arm walks back with him back to the group of people that were hanging out at the office they were drinking and celebrating something i mean that's that's he did that so he's not a saint but at some point as the series goes along he meets somebody that he does fall in love with and he marries and we never hear of him cheating on her or anything like that doesn't mean that he didn't but he's never it's never written where he is presented with the opportunity to cheat so you know, it's just the series. Like I said, I it, it's it's I found it entertaining. The characters are complicated. Some of them are likable throughout, but some of them, I you know, I just so I I don't. Some are so, are so petty and childish, and some are. I just it's just I it, it's it's interesting. It's well written. It's well acted. It's well directed. It's 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 well-paced it was entertaining but infuriating and not to 
spoil the whole thing for you if you haven't seen it. But the Don Draper character, he's the creative director. He's the guy that has all the great ideas. Uh, he has some crisis moments throughout his life. And as the series comes to an end, um, he's having a transcendental moment. I mean, an actual transcendental meditation moment. And he smiles to himself. And then there's a cut to one of the most popular, uh, recognizable television commercials for Coca-Cola. And, uh, sorry to spoil this for you guys, but, um, you know, this is right at the very, very, very end of the series. And I went on Facebook and I asked, are we supposed to get the idea that, that Don came up with the idea for that, for that commercial? Is that what we're supposed to come away with? And it is kind of, and if that, and I think that is what we're supposed to think. And... Uh, the people that I was chatting with or we were discussing with in the comment thread on Facebook um, seemed to agree, and uh, uh, I said, wouldn't that be... Isn't that quite cynical? And that might be the whole point of the series. Somebody, when I made that comment about just one guy, would say no. Um, somebody said they got about three uh, seasons into it and gave up because they just found... it. They were just too disgusted with it. Um so, you can check it out. It is streaming on Netflix, not for free. You have to pay for a membership. But uh, you can you check it out, see for yourself. But be prepared. It's, it's, uh, it's, it's, pretty, uh, it's pretty appalling. <laughs> uh, let's see what time is it. I'm going to take break early. I'm going to take break early. Weird way to talk. Uh, I'm going to break early and uh, come back and talk about some more stuff. That's because that's what I do on the show. Uh, you're listening to Dimland Radio on the ZTalk Radio Network at ztalkradio.com. I'm your host, Jim Dr. Dimfit Simmons. I will be back shortly. Uh, I think I said that the last time, didn't I? Huh. Well, what are you going to do? That beats all the competition, and we'll prove it as soon as we hear any competition. You're listening to Z Talk Radio Network. Do you believe in ghosts? Do you think Bigfoot is real? Do you suspect that your neighbor is really Valtor, leader of the lizard people of Bendar 3? Well, Dr. Dim doesn't, and he'll tell you why when you tune in to Dimland Radio Saturday nights, 11 Central, midnight Eastern on ZTalk Radio Network. It's an hour of science promotion, pop culture rants, personal observation, and of course, skepticism. Join Jim, Dr. Dim Fitzsimmons, Saturday nights, 11 Central, midnight Eastern, for Dimland Radio on ZTalk Radio Network. Remember, there's no hugging in the chat room. You're listening to Dimland Radio on Z-Talk Radio Network. You listen when your body says, I'm tired, or I'm hungry. What if your body said something else might be wrong? Gynecologic cancers, cervical, ovarian, and uterine cancers have symptoms, so pay attention. If your body says something may be wrong, please listen. Learn the symptoms. Get the inside knowledge about gynecologic cancers. A message from HHS and CDC's Inside Knowledge Campaign. Hey, this is Danny Potts from the Kentucky Ghost Chasers, and you're listening to Z Talk Radio. This ought to be good. Yeah. Uh, I've got actually kind of a few. Look, I could talk about um, the UFO revelation, about the Pentagon having a, 
investigating branch looking into uh, anom- you know aerial anomalies for assessing them for possible national security threats and the video that came out but come on it's 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 so it, you know it's blurry video again it, I mean it makes sense that they would that the government would want to check on these aerial phenomena to see if maybe some foreign aircraft is getting into our space but really aliens really space aliens really yeah it's i mean come on this the the practicality of space aliens coming to, to visit us we're so far out in the middle of nowhere they don't how would they even know we're here i mean i ask that every time how do they know we're here <laughs> but but other than that yeah, it's of course the UFO people are all going to jump on it, and they just, they're going to say, "Oh, see, see, the government's doing." It. Yeah, you know, they're they're just assessing these things. There might be some enthusiastic UFO people, and then one of the guys that was in charge of this thing, he, he it was not anymore. The the thing ended. They spent twenty two million dollars worth of money. Which, by the way, could they have done it with twenty one million dollars? Because if they could, uh, you know, why not give me that extra million? You know, just give it to me. And you know, I'll just use, I won't ask for any more money. Just give it to me, tax free, and then I'll just leave you alone and take care of my life. And and you know, you can use that rest of the money. I mean, can't the government do something like that? Just give me a million dollars. I mean, what's what's going to hurt? Anyway, uh, it, and but the video comes out, and this is their best stuff. This is this is this is something to be earth shattering. A blob, a video of a blob. Great. Wow. Huh. So I could talk about that and give it the skeptical angle, and I could talk about the seven banned words that aren't really banned, but it's, it's what, are, what are the words? They're vulnerable, entitlement, diversity, transgender, fetus, evidence-based, and science-based. And it's, it's uh, uh, the government agency, the F, F, uh, this, I don't know who it is, whatever. They're just, if they're trying to get funding, from a, a Congress that is largely controlled by conservatives, look out for certain words because those might flag it, and you might have difficulty getting fun difficulty getting funding. Now that shouldn't be. That's ridiculous. Science should be allowed to progress, and not have to worry about using words or the wrong words. That's it's ridiculous. But it's it's not a ban exactly. That's kind of a you know reporting thing. All right, so I talked about those. Okay, a little skepticism there. All right, how about that? Okay, but my pedantic moment. <clears throat> I mean, this is the last show of the year. I want to. I'm going to take apart some movies. <laughs> now, this first one I'm going to go through. I didn't come up with this. I didn't. I do have a twist on it, but I didn't come up with it. I first heard this suggested by Dana Gould on his podcast, the fantastic Dana Gould uh, Hour whatever it's called <laughs> the Dana Gould show our Dana Gould it's great it's a great podcast comes out about once a month it goes about two and a half to three hours long it's fascinating I just listened to the most recent one it's really great it's excellent that guy is funny and he gets interesting guests and they have good conversations and he gives you some interesting histories about stuff he takes apart to uh, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer the TV special and how terrible that is how psychologically damaging that show is i'm not going to get into it but you know he really takes it apart on this most recent app so you should check it out uh but he has mentioned this on more than one occasion about the movie raiders of the lost ark now apparently the big bang theory also that the tv show that i don't watch because i don't think it's funny um they apparently also examined this pedantic aspect of Raiders of the Lost Ark, which is namely Indiana Jones is really completely unnecessary to the movie. I mean, he really doesn't do anything. He, the, the government guys come to him to find out about this, what's going on with this Ark thing. They say, you know, with this, it's his former mentor working for the Nazis. And they figure, oh, wait a minute, he might have found the Ark of the Ark of the Covenant, and so they say, well, can you go out and get it? So he goes out to get it. Well, he does beat the Nazis to it because they're digging in the wrong place. But he and and he does get it, but the Nazis get it from him. You know, this uh, Belloc guy, uh, this French archaeologist who's you know a bit dirtier than 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 Indy is, and uh, because he'll work with the Nazis. Uh, <clears throat> 
Yeah, and, and it has one of the worst line reads in a movie and reactions that there is, where, you know, Sala, the guy that helps Indiana Jones find the Ark, uh, he's talking about this one smart guy that's in amongst the Nazis doing the digging, this guy named, they call him Belosh, and 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 Indy starts laughing. It's it's Harrison Ford. Just it's a weird delivery of the line, and it's a, and it's a weird non-reaction. The delivery of the line is you know because the name is Belloc, and so you know Indy laughs and he just looks at Solid says Belloc, Belloc, and then Solid's just like yeah okay whatever. <laughs> it, it just moves on. It just it's just it's just it doesn't it's like a joke that doesn't really pay off. It's it's a weird it's a weird reading anyway. So, okay, Sala and Indy find the Ark, but Belloc and the Nazis get it from him. And they leave him in that tomb, but he finds his way out with, and he's with Marion, the, the gal, and he keeps the Nazis from flying the Ark away, at, but so they put it on a truck. Well, he chases down the truck, and he takes over the truck, and he's got the Ark now. Now he goes to some seaport. They put it on a freighter. He gets on the freighter with Marion, and they take off for America. But the freighter is boarded by some Nazis that pull up alongside in a U-boat, and they get Marion. They get the Ark. Uh, Indy manages to hide away, and he ends up getting uh, on the U-boat, which miraculously doesn't submerge as it makes its trip to wherever it's going. He So he goes along to this base. He gets there. He follows them out to wherever they're taking the Ark to test to make sure it's the genuine article. And then he threatens to blow it up. But then when given the opportunity to blow it up, he doesn't because, well, he wants to see what it is as much as anybody else. So he ends up being captured. He goes to the... the they, they go to the temple thing. That's what they're set up to do all the testing on it. All the Nazis are standing around. And and the Belloc guy is doing this thing, and Marion and Indy are, are tied to a post, and India Indiana tells Marion not to look at it, keep your eyes closed, whatever, no matter what, just don't look at it. She doesn't look at it, he doesn't look at it. The Ark defends itself, kills all the Nazis, leaving Marion and Indiana alive. I mean, if Indiana wasn't even involved, and the Nazis found the Ark, I mean, he didn't he didn't stop anything. The Ark defended itself, and he didn't do anything. He may have delayed it a little bit. He was a nuisance. Might have killed a few, he killed a few German soldiers that might otherwise be used elsewhere in the war effort that was to come. It was 1936, I think this was taking place. So we weren't even at war with him yet. Uh, but he didn't really do anything. Yeah, that's that, that's that's what Dana Gould and the Big Bang Theory have pointed out, and that's a pretty good moment of pedantry. But but I would say that he does one thing, and he prevents Marion from dying. Now, they had to find this medallion that she had. Uh, the, the, so, um, so the Nazis are follow, following Indiana Jones, and he takes them to Marion. I got to think that it's some, even if Indiana wasn't involved, the Nazis would have found Marion somehow. They would have traced this back, and you know, with Ra this this Ravenclaw or whatever the guy's name was, uh, and it was his daughter. They would have, you know, they would have tracked her down, and tortured her, found the medallion. They would have given it to him. They probably would have killed her, and off they went. Well, Indiana stops them from killing her, and even if they didn't kill her at that point, and for some reason they took them took her along with them to the final destination with the island where the ark was being tested and she wouldn't have been told because india wasn't in, indiana wouldn't have been involved she wouldn't have been told not to look at the ark so she would have died there so he does prevent marion from dying now if you haven't seen the movie which is 30 something years old i just spoiled the whole thing for you sorry but okay i've got another movie little pedantic about just a little bit it's the it's a movie called the fly uh from 1986 it's the remake of the 1950s sci-fi classic uh with vincent price i believe and uh, uh this one has jeff goldblum now here's the thing about that movie i just watched it recently and it it's uh it has those hollywood tropes uh about science you know, because Hollywood doesn't understand science, doesn't understand how it's done, and they, you know, so Jeff Goldblum's this eccentric scientist, plays him really well, hair's a little long, but plays him really well, and he's just kind of this goofy guy, socially a little inept, but 
interesting and a genius apparently and he's he's creating this this teleportation device these pods which you can transport matter from one pod to the other it'll revolutionize the world it'll change the world as bill nye would say and and uh he does it by himself well Parts of the he has other people build parts of it, but they don't know what the the whole thing that's going on. But he so he assembles. He just asks some teams of scientists to uh, put this together. He contacts an engineer. I need you to do this, and it, and they do these little components, and then he puts it all together, and comes up with the computer programming and all this kind of stuff to to do this. And he does it in some really terrible, you know, loft warehouse loft apartment thing. And it, I mean, it, it, this is not how science is done. Uh, he would need lots of scientists involved, you know, physicists, quantum physicist guys, engineers. He would need to have all these people working together to figure out how to, to put this together. This would not be some guy who's so smart he figures out how to do it, but he uses other people to build certain parts of it. It's, it's, it just wouldn't. I mean, that's that's the Hollywood lone scientist crank working you know, at, at it. And... Except he's not necessarily a crank because he actually does create this thing that works. It really does transport matter from one pod to the next, to the other pod. Um, and there's this other thing this is that in it. Uh, the problem, though, with the transporter is he cannot transport uh, animate objects. Living flesh, there's a problem transporting that. Uh, he can do inanimate objects. He transports a stocking from uh, Gina Davis. She's the the reporter in the movie that he you know gets involved with. He can transport that, but he can't do people, living flesh. He can't do that. Oh, so disappointing. And he tries an experiment with a steak. He cuts it cuts a part off, and he transports that through, and it comes through. It looks like the cut of steak that he sent through, and then he cooks them both up, and he has he says uh, okay. He walks in. He's got these two plates with the steak, one that went through the transporter, one that didn't. And he comes in and he hands. He says okay. I need an objective opinion. He sets the plates down and he, he gives her one. He says here, try some of this, and she takes some from the steak that didn't get transported, and she, you know, takes a bite. She says well, you know, needs a little seasoning, but yeah. Well, that's pretty good steak. Not bad. Good. Okay. All right. Now try this one, which I sent through the transporter. And then she takes a bite and says, "Ooh, ooh, not right. Ooh, it tastes um, I don't know, synthetic. It just, ooh, ooh, that's not right." And I mean, he didn't even single blind that little experiment. He told her that that one was transported. He's he's he, you know he it should ideally it should be double blinded he shouldn't know which slice of steak had been transported and which one hadn't and she shouldn't know and and then does the taste test because but he influences her by setting it in front of her saying this one was transported I mean come on that's not how science is done any scientist is going to know that they're going to sit there oh, come on he didn't even single blind that study but really. The main pedantic moment I have with this movie, and I mentioned it just a bit ago, he can't transport living flesh. Well, he figures out how to do it, and he, he transports a baboon. He figures out what he's supposed, to, what he's been doing wrong, and it that works. Uh, he does one baboon that gets turned inside out, didn't work, but then he tries it again, uh, making some adjustments to the computer. He figures something out, and then it works, and the baboon's fine. Uh, and then so he does himself, transports himself, except a fly got into the, uh, the, the, the pod with him. So the computer merged the two life forms. Didn't realize it, because you know, he didn't set it up saying there's two life forms being going here. There's a fly and there's me. Uh, he, didn't do it. He, didn't think the, he didn't realize the fly was in there. And so that's why it all goes wrong. But the pedantic moment I have is when he's disappointed that he can't transport anything but inanimate objects. Uh, dude, you can transport inanimate objects. You're changing the world. You're changing the way goods are going to be shipped around the world. That's 
that's good enough. You don't have to ship people around. You can you can transport books. You can transport you know pieces of artwork. You can transport machine parts. Anything, anything that'll fit in the pod will be transported to the other pod or vanishing ca- from one vanishing cabinet to the other vanishing cabinet. Except that could transport living flesh. I, I mean, really, he's. I thought when I was watching that, I thought, why are you so disappointed? You're gonna, you're gonna make, you're gonna be the most famous person in the in the world, and you're gonna be filthy rich because of this, because you did it pretty much all on your own, right? You're not gonna just share any money with anybody else. You get all the credit, all the glory, and you, you can you have changed the, the 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 transportation of of goods. You have changed that, but no, no. It's a failure because he he can't transport people. Huh. Oh, well. Okay. Uh, Three cool things uh, from this past week. Uh, Have you ever heard of this phenomenon called sea smoke? Uh, uh, Somebody that uh, works for uh, the company where I work at uh, shared a picture on Facebook that shows... Uh, the shows Lake Superior looking from high on the hills in Duluth, and you're looking out. There's that. There's a. There's a. a, a, a whatever that bridge is. It's a, the bridge that a lift bridge that is very famous uh, landmark in, in in Duluth. It's a harbor city on Lake Superior, and when the weather conditions are right, and the humidity is right, and the temperature is right, over the lake. This massive wall of fog, this massive bank of fog, can form, and it's really he 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 shared a picture of it that it looks like if you remember the movie The Perfect Storm, where it's it's a massive wall of water that the ship is coming up. That it looks like a massive wall of water is about to crash down on Duluth. That's what it looks like, but it's clouds or it's fog that's coming there, and it's really cool. And I found video that. That shows almost that same angle that the photograph that uh, that uh, the person that I know put up. It shows almost that same angle, and you can see it happening. It's very, very cool. Very cool. Sea smoke. It's very cool. Um, the number two thing, uh, a SpaceX rocket was launched, another successful launch by SpaceX, putting up uh, some satellites. And in California, people were able to, the atmosphere conditions were just right. So when the rocket was going by, the contrails that it was leaving makes this very cool looking, uh, um, almost like an eye up in the sky that's streaking along. It's this white frosty looking thing that looks like an eyeball a, a little bit. And you can see like some of the rockets, the the the, the uh, falling away from it. You know the the booster rockets or whatever. You can see some of those falling away. It's very neat, very cool. I'll uh, find a video for that, and uh, and I'll link to it on the show notes at dimland.com. Uh, you can check it out there. And number one cool thing of the week, it was Christmas. It was good to get together with the family. What's left of it? <laughs> I know I shouldn't be so morose, but that was cool. I hope that you've had at least three cool things happen in your week. Good night, Herr Doctor. Good night, Frau Blucher. And that's the end of another show. This is the last show of 2017. Happy New Year, everybody. Uh, you've been listening to Dimland Radio on the ZTalk Radio Network. Uh, remember to be skeptical and that extraordinary claims require extraordinary evidence. Better than a blob in a video. Yeah, yeah, it's a blob. Yeah, big deal. That's great. Um, so I'm your host, Jim Dr. Dimfitsim, is reminding you all to sleep with the lights off. And I'll see you next year. check out my show notes at dimland.com. Just click on the blog option and you can email your questions and comments to drdim at dimland.com. That's D-R-D-I-M at dimland.com. And the opening theme song, Ram, is by Theolius and is used with permission.
This has been a production of the Z-Talk Radio Network. And now, a message to our competitors. Thanks. Thanks for tuning us in. Well, I'm going to hell.